Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The NHL Eastern Conference playoff schedule is set between the Lightning and the Capitals, who start the series Friday at 8 o'clock in Emily Arena. They also will play Sunday. You like them, you love them, you can't live without them. Tom Jones is here today to break down the series and even make a prediction of sorts. You want to make sure you stay tuned for that. In the Tampa Bay Rays, they lose one to nothing to the upstart Atlanta Braves while running themselves out of another inning on the bases. And the Bucks, they announced their next inductee to the team's Ring of Honor. Not a big surprise, but certainly overdue. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. Before we get started on today's podcast, let me tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this show, you get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. So we're here with Tom Jones and the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll start uh, their Eastern Conference Final against the Washington Caps. Let's talk, first of all, is there a way that maybe this is a better matchup for the Lightning than had the Pittsburgh Penguins won? You know what, Rick, I think, yeah, for a couple of reasons. One, and you know this, I never underestimate the will and heart of a champion. I mean, this is a team that two years in a row, they've been the Stanley Cup champs. I think I saw this stat today for something like 600 and some days in a row. That matters, I think, when, it, when you get down to, uh, to big games and situations where they feel like their backs are against the wall because they've seen it all and been through it all anyway. And I don't know, did you, I, 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 did you watch the end of that, yes. the overtime game, Pittsburgh-Washington? I saw just this massive sense of relief on Alex Ovechkin's face, almost as if they accomplished something. Because they did. <laughs> they did. That's right. <laughs> they had never been this far before. They had, yeah. they had, uh, they had never beat the Penguins, since in the Ovechkin era, that is. Never beat the Penguins to get to the Eastern Conference Finals like this. Uh, I don't think a veteran's ever been to the Eastern Conference Final before. And to get out of that second round, I, they looked to me like a team that was completely satisfied. Now, look, they have a good coach and Barry Trotz. They have a few days to sort of get this wire together again and get ready for game one. But going into this series, the lightning strikes me as a team of like uh, on a mission. They realize they haven't accomplished anything yet. And Washington looked to me like a team that was real satisfied. Unlike Pittsburgh, which I think would have been, hey, let's move on to the next round. Who we play next? Well, you were there when the Lightning, you know, ended up winning that series against Boston, four to one, which I thought was a much closer series in some ways. I mean, look, if Steven Stamkos doesn't score, you know, to send that game in overtime, maybe yeah. maybe they're still playing. Right. Um, but what was their reaction? They were more sort of businesslike about things, weren't they? I went in the locker room after the game, and you know, there was a little bit of music, but not a lot of music. Now, look, they were really riled up after winning that overtime game, because they realized what a massive win that was. Sure. I think, it, I think by the time they got to game five, they expected to win that game five. And, uh, and they did. And, you know, talking to, talking to that locker room, and look, and look at the people I talked to who seemed really calm and cool about it. Anton Schrauman, uh, Ryan Callahan, Steven Stamkos, those guys were like, 
yeah, we haven't really done anything. Like, we've done all this before. There, See, the thing is, Rick, this team's looking at anything short of a Stanley Cup, I think, is a disappointment for them. But I'm not saying that Washington Capitals don't feel the same way. I'm sure they do. But there is this feeling that, like, they've never the, – they haven't been this far before the Caps. The Lightning has been this, this is the third time in four years they've been this far. So they're much, very much taking a business-like approach to this whole thing. I think um, when you look at Washington and, you know, Pittsburgh was a very skilled team, and they, they had lost some players, obviously, but you mentioned two-time champions. This Capitals team has been known in the past for being a heavy team, for yeah. almost being a Western Conference team, very physical. Mm-hmm. But you made a point when we were talking earlier that the Tampa Bay Lightning probably have been overlooked with how physical they are able to be and how physical they've been in both their series. Um, and so does it seem as if maybe that that – traditional physicality of, of the Caps may not be as big a factor this time around as it's been in the past. No, I think you're exactly right about that. I, I went back earlier today and I was looking at the season series and just wondering how the regular season plays out. If you look back at the last series, they played Boston. Boston won three out of four during the regular season. That meant nothing. And the Devils series, the Devils were 3-0. and one, I think an overtime in the shootout victory in there. Uh, that actually meant nothing because the, the Lightning beat both of those teams in five games. So I looked at the series, season series between these two teams. Washington was, um, was one, two out of, th- or, or the Lightning won two out of three. But one of those games was a back to back, you know, and it was, I, I didn't put a lot of stock on it just based on what we saw in the first two rounds. But to your point, the Lightning seemed like physically they were able to handle Washington a little bit better this year than they did in years past. I always thought the Caps were a bad matchup for the Lightning in years past. I remember the year, they went to the Cup Finals, the Lightning, and I'm pretty sure that was the year they played the Rangers in the East Finals. And I think the Rangers and the Caps, I, I hope I have this right, I think the Rangers and the Caps played in the uh, played in the second round series. And I was watching that game, and I said, as good as the Rangers are, I think the Lightning would rather get the Rangers than the Caps because the Caps are too heavy for them. And it turns out the Rangers won that series, and then the Lightning beat the Rangers in the East Finals. I think the I don't think they're afraid of Washington anymore. I think Washington's a team that they feel they can handle physically. And I thought the Boston series proved it. We asked, I asked a bunch of guys after the Boston series, were they, were you surprised at how physical, were they surprised at how physical you were? Even Stamkos admitted, like, yeah, I think they were. I mean, they were nights where Stamkos was leading the, leading the, the game in hits. I don't think Boston saw that coming. So I think Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay's in pretty good shape in terms of, uh, physically matching up against the Caps. I think you could argue that Boston was actually is built to be a more physical team than Washington is in some ways with mm-hmm. Char and some of their guys. I mean, they're going to have to account for Tom Wilson. Yeah, um, who's – who's? you better keep your head on the swivel with that guy. Right. I don't, I don't think he's completely trustworthy. So we've seen – he got suspended the last <laughs> he, few games. He did. He's not – I mean, Brian Marchand, Marchand does uh, does some uh, – I mean, he's more – he's bigger than Marchand. Oh, yeah, he's bigger than Marchand. And, a lot and Marchand, yeah, he doesn't lick anybody, but <laughs> – he might knock your head off if you're not careful. Um, no, but they—they, they, uh, I agree. I agree with what you're saying about that. So let's, uh, you know, just in terms of the 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 depthness or the the depthness, the, yeah. the depth of the Capitals. Um, it seems to me as if where they're going to struggle with the Lightning is that a couple things. One, Tampa Bay's defense has been far better, I think, than than even John Cooper. I know he talked about regular season versus postseason. Uh, turnovers versus no turnovers. But these guys that are playing, you know, on the back end there have playoff experience, and they're doing things the right way, Tom. There's never a time when you feel like 
they're about to make the big mistake anymore. I just think they've all sort of bought in. What are we seeing? Uh, I know it starts with the goaltending, but what, is, what are we seeing on their defense? No, I think the addition of Ryan McDonough was a really big deal. That guy, and the best thing that he does, and I've talked to John Cooper about this, is that he, if he gets the puck on his stick anywhere in his zone, it ends up getting out of the zone, whether he carries it or passes it to somebody else. But what it doesn't end up on is somebody else's stick. And like the other night when he fell down in that game uh, five in the third period and took the penalty out, like you're stunned at Ryan with something. Like you're literally somebody must have, like he tripped over something because that's the only way he makes a mistake. But you look at this defense right now, and compared to years past, I'm not taking anything away from guys like Andre Schuster or Slater Cuckoo. Those guys were playing lots of minutes back in these past cup runs. Right. Now you're looking at guys like Dan Girardi's in there instead. Dan Girardi, every time I looked up in the third period of game five, Dan Girardi was out there. And I give Cooper a ton of credit for how he handled Dan Girardi during the regular season because – he looks as fresh as, as a 25-year-old in these playoffs. That's the other thing, too, Rick, I think we need, need to remember. To finish both of these series in five games, that can have a really positive effect moving on when you get into a physical series like this. They can handle. I remember the first couple of years that they were in the playoffs here of this run. I mean, they had long first-round series. Detroit one year, seven games. Montreal, six games. It's really important to, to finish these series off early. And I think that helps on, particularly on defense, because those guys, they take a pounding during the course of a seven-game series. These guys look fresh, and when you're fresh physically, you're fresh mentally. You don't turn the puck over as much. Right. They haven't had long series. So, you know, a lot of people have not ever seen uh, Alex Ovechkin in a conference final. Right. Um, in fact, no one has, I don't believe. <laughs> but um, is, is, he, is he Alex Ovechkin that, that you know, that he made his superstardom? Or, or is this a... Is this a guy that's clearly on the back nine and not as much of an imposing scoring force as he's been? I, I think you're right about that, although I think as physically physically he's as dangerous as ever. He still throws big hits. I think he's I think you can make the argument that along with Sidney Crosby, he is the most complete hockey player of the past fifteen, twenty years. I think he there are guys that might be able to score a little bit more and there are guys that are better passers and better skaters, but just their all around game. He throws more hits than Sidney Crosby, but just in terms of being able to play both ends of the ice. I also think, too, that he's a um, – I mean, he scores big goals at big times. So he sort of gets a bad rap for not performing – for his team's not performing well in the playoffs. I don't think it's really been his fault, although he's had some dog games in, in game sevens in the past. But you're right. I, I think as he's gotten older, he relies less on skill, and he, and he, and he relies more on being smart and doing the right thing, and, and if that means – you know, making sure he gets back instead of going towards the net. He does that. That's what makes him, I think, in a playoffs, maybe a more dangerous player. He was a guy didn't he, that used to get a lot of penalty minutes. I, I don't see him doing that as much anymore. No, he's a lot more composed. He doesn't. He's not looking to make the big hit. I, I've always really respected Alex Ovechkin's game. He's a guy that, you know, he takes a lot of punishment, and he's fine with that, and he dishes out a lot of punishment. He's a guy, too, though, Rick, and we've seen it in the past, where he's physically dominated the Lightning, and I'm not sure that um, – I'm not sure he's – he'll have that impact that he did in years past because I think the Lightning's defense is a little bit bigger, a little bit quicker, and a little bit more um, able to handle a guy like Ovechkin. So what are the matchups going to be now? We saw Braden Point and, and those guys sort of, you know, after the first game, obviously, sort of shut down Marshawn's line. Yeah. Do they? Do we just anticipate that they automatically would be on Ovechkin and that that's going to be the battle? I, I, I would try that, but I also wouldn't be 
super stunned to see if they put out uh, like Ryan Callahan, Chris Kunitz, and Cedric Paquette. Those guys are a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier than the Point Pilat Johnson line. The thing is, though, you got to be careful. Is that you don't want to be in a situation where um, you're you're matching up so much that all of a sudden you got Kunitz is out there playing 19, 20 minutes a game, and that line's out there because Ovechkin's line's playing that much. You still want to roll your lines as much as you can because, as John Cooper said the other day, it's hard, it's hard to even tell who your third and fourth lines are at this point. Everybody is playing so well. So my guess is, yeah, why not start with the point line? Although, like again, Ovechkin's line's so much bigger than Marshawn. I mean, Pasternak's a big dude. Uh, but Marshawn and Bergeron aren't, aren't huge guys. They're, so physically, Pilat Johnson and Point can match up with those guys. So they might have to, to do a little bit more matching up in terms of like who they put out there defensively against Ovechkin's line. Maybe you, that's when you want to get Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough out there, or Dan Girardi and, and, uh, and Braden Coburn. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a lot of Coburn against uh, Ovechkin as well. There was a point in the season when Braden Holtby was not the goaltender, right. and yet now he in his playoffs there was a exactly. moment, yeah. yeah. And now now he's back, and I thought he played. I thought he had a huge game against Pittsburgh in the clinching game because of his pedigree and what he's done in the past. Is is this potentially a, a more dangerous goaltender than say Tuukka Rask? Yeah, uh, you know what? That's a good question. Boy, they're very similar to me. I mean, those are two guys. Tuukka Rask has a Stanley Cup. Braden Holtby doesn't. And Holpe is one of those guys that we keep waiting for him to sort of take that regular season success. I think he's one of best of um, and turn it into a playoff success. And there's always been this doubt about whether he can do that. Talking to people in Boston, they still are not crazy about Tuka Raskin. <laughs> I was serious. I was checking out at the hotel, and she said, "Yo, oh, you guys aren't coming back here because that goalie's lousy. Like, they just hate Tuka Raskin. I think there's still some questions about Braden Holpe about whether – it's not so much whether he can come up big in big games – he has a tendency sometimes to give up a bad goal at the worst possible time. And he's cost him some playoff games in the past. Haven't seen that yet from him in these playoffs. But uh, until he win, until he gets there, uh, I don't know that he can get there. You know, he almost yeah. has to prove it to me first. The Tampa Bay Lightning will win this series and go to the Stanley Cup as long as they what? As long as they get really good play. I, well, that, I mean, let's just say goaltending. It's always good goaltending, right? But as long as um, – as, as Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos keep playing, look, they're going to get what they get from Point, Pilat, Johnson. Those guys aren't going to go away. Right. The other lines are, you know, sort of plugger lines and, and defensive grinding lines. But they really got better in this last series. Right, right, right. And But those those games never – like Ryan Callahan's game never, never goes away. Right. The only time he's not effective Travels is if, well. if, he, yeah, if he doesn't play. That's if he's hurt. Yeah. But we saw the difference when, when Kucherov and Stamkos picked it up in games – Four and five, they were a different team. They were a much better team. And they, it sometimes it takes. Look, they won a game in that Boston series because Stephen Stamkos showed up at the right time. Huge. Yeah, I don't think he played a good game earlier in that game. I thought he had some moments where he wasn't very good, but it really it was really like he did something that nobody else on that team can do. He took a pocket from the slot and hit a one stopped a one timer, and it went in and. That's 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 what happens when you have a game breaker who can. You know, that's what a superstar does. They need they're going to need some superstar moments. Ovechkin will provide them. He provided them in the Pittsburgh series. He scored a goal with a crazy goal with like a minute seven left in the game to win a game. That's what superstars do. So everybody else is going to keep doing what they do. They need Kucherov and Stamkos to really step up. Now I'll say this about those that, those two guys. And Cooper was talking about it. as much as we were jumping on him for not being productive offensively in the first. 
uh, three or four games of that series, the first three games of that series, they didn't, they didn't give up any goals either. They were never on the ice when the other team scored. So they were doing their job there as well. But they, if the Lightning is going to win that series, their superstars, Kucherov and Stamkos, are going to have to play like superstars, at least for a couple of games. I'm not sure that I thought, and I know you didn't think, that the Lightning were a better team than Boston. Right, I wasn't I sure that they, yeah. they were either. They certainly right. proved that they are. Right. I thoroughly believe that they're a better team than Washington Capitals, especially in a seven-game series. So I don't want you I mean, here's <laughs> no, the ahead, I, don't want, I don't want you to scoop your own columns coming no, up no. in the future, but would you be surprised if the Lightning did not win this series? I would be surprised. I think you're right, you're right about that. I, I, I picked them to beat the Devils in five. I felt good about that prediction. They did win in five. The Bruins series, I didn't see it coming. And I, I feel a little vindicated because after – the series, I asked John Cooper, what was the difference? He said, look, they waxed us during the season. They forced us to raise our game. And I give John Cooper a lot of credit and the team for executing his game plan of, let's play really smart defense. We're not going to win these games 7-6. They knew they had to elevate their game because they, I think even they felt there was a chance Boston was better than they were. Of course. I'm with you on this. Like, I look at that Washington team, and and quite frankly, I look at the Pittsburgh team, too. If they had a Pittsburgh, would have advanced out of the series. Of everybody that's left, I, I think they're the best team left. I think they're of, of all the five teams, and we're recording this while uh, Winnipeg and Nashville are still going at it. Right. Um, although Winnipeg's a, boy, Winnipeg's a wild card. Like I, I wish I had seen them more. Yeah, I don't think anybody really yeah, saw that. Guy. Yeah, I, and I, I wish I had seen them more during the regular season to know just how good they are. But I'm with you. I I just after now maybe we're watching these guys every the game, every shift, and we're seeing all the good things they're doing. It's hard to imagine somebody else. I'm sure people in Washington right now are thinking, oh, the path is cleared. Now we beat the Penguins. There's nobody left for us to beat. We'll, we'll, we'll cruise right through Tampa Bay. But I think Tampa Bay, I talked to, um, I was talking to one of the writers from, I think it was from Sports Illustrated during this last series, and, uh, or Sportsnet, Sportsnet Canada. And he said, uh, hey, I'll see you in the finals. And I said, you're not, oh, you're not coming for Eastern Conference finals? He goes, no, but I'll be, definitely be back for the finals. I go, wait a minute. He goes, no, they'll be there. Because and this was before whether it was the – Were they know, finished Boston? Yeah, no, no, it was right after the game five. Oh, okay. But we didn't know if they were playing Washington or Pittsburgh. It didn't, didn't think it mattered. Said, There's nobody stopping this team. Wow. And this is a guy who, you know, I, I respect and knows a lot about certainly has the look of a Stanley Cup uh, team and, and, who knows, maybe a Stanley Cup champion. They've been the best team all year. Tom Jones, read him in the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Rick. Uh-oh. <laughs> Thomas is saying that the Lightning are the best team in hockey and they're going to win this series. Say so. it ain't so, Tom. Say it ain't so. <laughs> I can hear hearts breaking all over Tampa Bay right now if you're a Lightning fan. Please address your comments and your complaints to at Tom W. Jones. You know, the guy can't win for losing. Let's face it. You know, he calls it the way he sees it. And, uh, you know, he's an umpire, not a third-base coach. But, look, I mean, you know, he, he ate a lot of crow about the uh, first series when he thought that the Lightning were going to lose to Boston because Boston was just better, and that's where the season ends. But that's not where the season ends. And uh, and it turns out, of course, uh, he thinks they're going to win this series. I really I, – I tend to agree with him, Steve. I mean, I just think that uh, at this point, the Lightning look and feel and, and probably are right now the best team in the Eastern Conference. Whether or not they get this done, I guess, you know, that's why you play the games. But um, they certainly are in a different role maybe in this series – than most people probably had them in Boston. I'm curious how how they'll react to to not being the underdog, so to speak. Well, we said it. We said it. it you know, as the series with Boston went along, that 
if the Lightning play, particularly the way they played in games two and three, if they play that way, no team's going to beat them four out of seven. Agreed. Uh, they were Their forecheck was so strong. They have probably the best goalie in hockey at this point. Um, the defense is playing very well. I mean, how many games have they given up two goals or less? Uh, right. Inclu- including game five. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Against Boston. Um, you know, they, pro- they are the best team in the Eastern Conference. They had the most points this season. They proved it against Boston, who had the second most points in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Washington's a very good team, but Braden Holtby's not the same goalie he was a few years ago, and they have mm-hmm. holes in their game. The Lightning are favored, should be favored, and should win this series. Now, puck drops, and you see what happens. Uh, sure, a lot of weird things could happen. Absolutely, yeah. but the Lightning should win this series. And I think, too, and we talked about it there with Tom, um, I do think that there's something to the fact that Washington hasn't been this far before. Um, boy, they sure celebrated like they had won the Stanley Cup when they got over the hump. I mean, for them, this is a big thing to get over the hump and get to an Eastern Conference final. I'm not saying they're satisfied with that. A couple of days will go by and they'll, they'll want more. Um, but, you know, the Lightning having been this far three times in the last four years and having not been able to, uh, to hold the Cup, I, I, I kind of I tend to think that there's – I don't know. More hunger is the word, but but certainly they they know they know what it feels like to get this far. In fact, they know what it feels like to get to the Stanley Cup. Well, if you remember back to when the Lightning started this run, and, and there was the Cup year of, of fifteen, but the year before they played Montreal, and they got swept in four games. Right. And it was kind of one of those. A lot of those players didn't know what to expect. Didn't mm-hmm. didn't necessarily rise to the occasion. Now Ben Bishop was hurt too, and there was some other factors with it as well. But the year before, Montreal was in the same situation. They got swept in the first round as they kind of made back to the playoffs for the first time in a few years. And then that next year, they came out and they knew what to expect and do. Kind of with the Lightning, you know, the second half of the year, we talked about their struggles or whether they were bored or, you know, whatever it is. They knew how to, to ramp it up. Washington now is going to be, they're at a level they've never been before. The amount of media attention, the amount of questions, the amount of focus on you. You know, you've covered events like this. Each round as you get further in the playoffs, whether it's the NFL playoffs or hockey or baseball, whatever, the the amount of media, the amount of questions, the amount of time, the amount of distractions, the amount of ticket requests, the amount of everything else you got to deal with changes. And it it, it affects players, you know, and everybody a little differently, but it'll be interesting how they respond to that and not having been there. Where the Lightning, how many of their players have been to cup finals? Not just one, but multiple. Lots of them have. Um, and, and definitely many of them have been to a cup final where Washington really, I don't, they may have a player or two on the roster that has, but as a whole, they, they don't, they haven't been. So it'll be interesting how they respond. Yeah. This is when your experience really takes over and all those New York Ranger players that, you know, played in so many playoff games, um, and, and sort of know what it's like to get here and, and, you know, uh, know that they really haven't accomplished anything. They're only, it's hard to believe you played this long and you're only halfway through, uh, what you need to do, which is win eight more games <laughs> to 
to hoist the Stanley Cup. Well, as we so. said, you know, Washington, it's been 20 years since they've been to a conference final, which was, you know, 1998, mm-hmm. where the Lightning have been to four in the last eight years. Mm-hmm. And, and three, three of the, the last, last four. four. Now, um, you know, it, it, there's a the stark, you know, that's a stark contrast in experience. And then let alone the Lightning has a more talented roster. Yeah, I just think they're better. I mean, that's not to say you can't get here the first time and win it all, because obviously teams do that. Teams do that all the time. I, I just think they're better, and we'll see over a long series whether that that plays out. But to your point, things happen. Guys get hurt. Um, puck bounces a funny way. I mean, they're you know. That's now the good thing for the Washington games. is they won it in six games, and they've got some rest going into game one too. It's not like they have to turn around to forty eight hours later and play game one. They're getting some right. rest too, as as are the Lightning. So. You know that's kind of that that's kind of evened up there. That didn't seem to bother Boston when they waxed them six to two, and everybody thought maybe I, that would be a fact. I didn't think it did in game one, but I think as you saw the series go on, I think you saw them, you know, maybe a little oh, sure. more tired. Um, you sure. know, you know, game one. I mean, but you know, the the thing about being tired is it it may not show up in one game or the next, but it's the the course of the 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 series or even you know multiple series when you're talking playoff runs mm-hmm. uh, that that adds up and. You know, I think you know we we talked about Pittsburgh looked tired. They did. You know, they looked tired from multiple years and not having as much depth this year. And you know, they just look like a tired team compared to Washington. Right. No, I think as you get deeper in the playoffs, those five game series help, and the rest helps. And it's a war of attrition. So um, for the Lightning, at least they haven't lost any major pieces. We'll see. Anyway, that's uh, you know, game one is going to be Friday, eight o'clock, and then they're going to play again on Sunday uh, as well. So that's how it's going to start. And they'll go up Tuesday and play, uh, I guess, in Washington. So those are your uh, that's your early schedule. Uh, I mentioned that uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks announced uh, their newest inductee or their latest inductee into the team's ring of honor will be Tony Dungy, their uh, their Hall of Fame coach. Um, he's a guy that really I think you should credit with turning this franchise around. He goes in one year after John Gruden. That was a choice by the Glazers to have John Gruden. Uh, going first, and you know, I guess the tiebreaker would be that Lombardi Trophy that's sitting in their in their uh, atrium there at One Buck Place. Um, and I get all that; I really do. It's probably uh, a good I, thing I, they had Gruden going first because if they would have waited till this year, he was a coach at a different team. Yeah, that's true. So they they that's were able true. to get him before he was coaching a rival team or another team. They got him as an announcer who was actually calling the game that night. And and this also will be on a Monday Night Football game. Um, against Pittsburgh, week three of the season, and Dungy does Sunday night, you know, football in America for NBC on Sunday night. So work will not conflict. He still lives here in Tampa, and um, it's going to be good to see the coach. I, I just exchanged some text messages with him, you know, today after the announcement came through. This is not a surprise. I wrote about it when the schedule came out back in April that he would be their inductee. I don't know if it got a lot of attention, but you know, they made it official today, and um, it'll be good to reminisce with Tony. A totally different feel between Dungy and Gruden. And, you know, look, John was really gracious when he won the Super Bowl. If you go back to that that year, that day, um, even that game afterwards, you know, he credited Tony with having left him a really good football team. And, and we've talked about how, you know, Gruden certainly put his spin on it. And I'm not sure they win a Super Bowl um, without Gruden. I, I, I think they were headed that way. Um, it's hard for me not to believe that Tony wouldn't have done it, but – you know, look, John got it done, and that's all that matters. But the job that Dungy had, I think, was much harder than what Tony, than what John a- a- accomplished. Because 
you know, you have to go back and remember just how wretched this organization was. Now, that's not to say that Sam White and, and those guys, Rich McKay as a GM, didn't leave him some good pieces, namely two first ballot Hall of Fame players in Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp. And, oh, yeah, John Lynch was, was on, on the team as well. Um, all those guys were playing somewhat out of position at the time and really hadn't uh, become nearly the players that they were under Tony. But Tony, Tony brought direction. Uh, he was very influential in the draft. He was a guy that didn't get enough credit from a personnel standpoint in, in describing to Jerry Angelo and Tim Ruskell and Rich McKay and all those guys just exactly you know, what he needed, where he needed them. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the biggest thing that, that players talk about is you know, sort of direction and, and beyond just the X's and O's, but actually, you know, he said early on, he told his team that, you know, if we win a championship but don't change this community, don't impact it, uh, we really haven't we really haven't accomplished anything, and so you know you look at the players, the Derek Brooks and the Warren Saps, uh, you know to some extent, but uh, I'm I'm really talking about guys like you know Warwick Dunn and Mike Allstott, the imprint that they've left on this community, uh, and it's not an accident. It's something that Tony talked about all the time, and all those guys revere him. You know they respected John. Um, they they, you know were energized by John. They won a Super Bowl with John Gruden. But they revered Tony Dungy. And, you know, Tony Dungy changed the culture of this franchise. And, um, you know, I, I, I think unless you lived it, unless you saw sort of what was there at the woodshed and, and those 12 years of double-digit losses or whatever, uh, and even starting, you know, I think he was 1-8 and eight when he came in here, um, and then, you know, they won a bunch of games at the end of that first year. Uh, it was really it was really something, you know, to, to see what he – and also, not a small thing at that time, I think maybe Art Shell was the only African-American head coach. And so, you know, there weren't a lot of guys that looked like Tony Dungy. And, you know, he, uh, you know, he certainly was, was instrumental and important from the standpoint of African-American head coaches being successful and those coming after him. And he felt that responsibility. He talked about it often. Um, so there's a lot to celebrate. He's already in the ring of honor for the Indianapolis Colts, you know, and that makes sense because that's where he won a Super Bowl. Um, and, and he is, you know, he goes into the ring of honor as, as you know, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, so his greatness as a coach is, is uh, you know, certainly well documented. Um, but I, I think it'll be fun. I, I think you'll see sort of a different feeling than, than even when John went in. Um, with these players that come back and uh, help him celebrate. So it's going to be an interesting uh, week, week three of the NFL season when, when the Bucs and – and it's, I think it's apropos, too. They play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so much of Tony Dungy's history, uh, of course, you know, coming out of the University of Minnesota as a quarterback, um, undrafted, ends up, you know, signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They, they play him at safety. He's a member of, you know, of a Super Bowl team. Um, so, you know, there's obviously a lot of, and then coach there later under Chuck Knoll. So there's a lot of connections with Pittsburgh. So it all just kind of fell, fell into place and, and some things are meant to be. Okay. So the Rays, meanwhile, they lose to the Atlanta Braves. Steve, you were there one to nothing. Um, and this is not a, uh, this is not news anymore, man. I mean, these one run games, they're now five and 12 this season in one run games. Just incredible. If you could turn that around, 
this team might be in first place in the AL East. Mark Topkin tweeted that this is the first time in the American League that a team has lost 12 one-run games in their first 33 games played since the 1953 St. Louis Browns. Goodness. I remember that St. Louis Brown team yeah, well, very yes, well. Well, yes, I remember them very well. <laughs> Actually, I don't. I, I was, I'm not even that old. But um, it, it, I don't know who to – I don't know who to blame. I mean, I think Kevin Cash is going to get a lot of this ultimately. I'm not sure it's really his fault. I guess it's sort of a good news, bad news, especially, you know, this is sort of what they expected in terms of, you know, we're not going to score a ton of runs. If we're going to be in a lot of games, they just got to find a way to win them. I mean, uh, they, they anticipated a lot of low-scoring games. They're built, built on pitching and defense primarily. And uh, But, man, this, this Atlanta Braves team, you said it as advertised. This is a young, young, talented, talented team. The only run they get is a 434-foot blast by Ronald Acuna. Which um, the ball sounds different coming off his bat. Did it? It does. Yeah. It, it does. And he's a prized prospect and you know, finally got called up about two weeks ago, I believe it was. And, uh, as he's tearing it up. So far. Oh, as he's tearing so it up. Far. Yes. Yeah. And putting him right in front of uh, Freddie Freeman in the order. Mm-hmm. Gives him great protection, too, because uh, mm-hmm. Freddie Freeman's a great hitter. Um, yeah, that was a blast by Acuna. But, but yeah. you know, look, on, on the good side, and Neil Solon's had a stat about the one-run games, too. The, Bray, or the, the, the Rays are 11-5 and five in their last 16 games, and all five losses are by one run, which wow. means for the last 16 games, they're in every game. They're either winning or, or yeah. losing by one, right. which is incredible. Uh, yeah. What you like to see. Now, tonight, Blake Snell, I thought, pitched very well. He was not that happy with his performance and thought in the first four innings he really struggled with command and location. But uh, he went six, he got and, out he of went some six and a third. Oh, absolutely. He went six and a third, yeah. gave up one run, the one home run. Uh, yeah. You know, you can't fault him at all for the loss. No, four hits. He walked two. He struck out five, 105 pitches. So. To your point, um, wasn't his, as efficient. I mean, he count. only had sixty-five strikes out of the hundred and five pitches, so not as efficient as you'd like. But right, um, but six and a third but, with one run, he kept his team in the game with a shot to win. I mean, look, you get you got to score a run to win a game, right? Last yeah. time I checked, you can't yeah. you can't win with zero. Um, so it wouldn't have mattered, you know, if Sandy Koufax was out there tonight in his prime. Not not now, obviously, but um, you know, they they would not have won a game with zero runs. And Blake Snell has been their best pitcher. He has now done this consistently even his bad outings are, are look a little bit like this you know where he goes into the seventh inning he gets deep into games and you know in this case you know in this case he, he lost but um, I'm impressed with Blake Snell and and he you know he pitched around a leadoff triple one inning um, mm-hmm. you know he's, he minimizes damage when he does get into trouble so I have no trouble with the way he's throwing the baseball and for that matter really the race pitching you know they've had some some blow-ups in the bullpen with Alex Colomay um, but their pitching in defense has, has been, you know, has been pretty good. I think it's settled in um, pretty well of late. So um, they're in a little bit of a funk offensively. You know, I mean, they they got hot for a while, and and now their bats have, have kind of calmed down somewhat. So they need to certainly get it going again. But but boy, that's a good good Atlanta Braves look. You know, team. I this is a team if they stay together. I mean, the ages of these guys are twenty, twenty one, twenty two, twenty four. I mean, they are. Acuna's the youngest player in the majors, and before he was called up, his teammate Ozzie Albies was the youngest player in the majors. So they have the two youngest yeah. players in the majors on their team. Both both are going to be superstars, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yes, they look great, and and they're really, you know, Mark Tompkin wrote about this in the Tampa Bay Times. 
They are, prospect-wise, now playing in the majors about a year or two ahead of where the Rays think they will be. You know, with all the guys they got with the Jake Bowers and, you know, all the guys they have in the minor leagues that are, you know, staying down there to gain an extra year uh, towards arbitration and those things. That's sort of where the Braves were a year or two ago. And, you know, so, you know, ideally this is sort of the pattern or the – or the path that uh, that the Rays will take, at least that's what they're hoping. The di- the um, difference is Atlanta, in the next year or two, is going to have money to spend with right. their new stadium and the way new they're, stadium, they're doing yeah. everything. When they feel the team's ready, they're going to be able to add in. And you know, one of the thoughts is, you know, a perfect fit for this team next year is Bryce Harper in right field. Mm-hmm. Now that he it hasn't really been talked about Atlanta, and, and most people think he's going to go to the Chicago or Los Angeles or Do- or the Dodgers, yeah, um, mm-hmm. but he would be a perfect fit in that Atlanta lineup uh, right fielder. Right now, Marcakis is the right fielder. He would be perfect to slot in there. You got Acuna in left, Albies at second base, Freeman at first. I mean, they're loaded. That would be, that would be a huge, and they could afford him if they want. And the Rays will be able to do that too. I mean, they don't have a huge payroll, but a lot of their guys that do make money like Gomez and some of the others, mm-hmm. you know, won't be here in a year or two. So they'll be in a position to go for it when their young guys are up here too. So we'll see if uh, if they can follow that pattern. Um, they'll be back at it again uh, tonight, I guess. And uh, I guess Ryan, is it Ryan Yarbrough will be on the mound? Is that Yarbrough right? is going against uh, Julio Tehran for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rubber game of the homestand, as, as Dave yeah. Wills put it, because they're two and two on this homestand. It's a short homestand, and they're on the road again for three game series or three series or three yeah three series is on the road. Uh, kind of a wicked Jeez. schedule right now. They just came off a ten game road trip and back Home on for the road a for nine or ten more. Um, yeah, it's yeah a, it's do a your laundry. wicked part of the schedule right now, and and this next road trip goes to three time zones too. Oh, lovely! Um, Those are always I, fun. You know, they've got they're they're I think Oakland or one of the West Coast teams. They've got one of the Central times and one of the Eastern time zones. So three cities, three different time zones. Yeah. Uh, those are always fun. There was also a no-hitter uh, in baseball, James Paxton for the Mariners. First Canadian to throw a no-hitter in Canada. Did it against the Toronto yes. Blue Jays. Only the and second already... Canadian pitcher to ever have a no-hitter. The other one was Fowler in 1945. So I remember you, you remember him too. No, I don't. Uh, but it was the uh, you came up with this stat for me too. The third no-hitter in the third country this year. Uh, the Dodgers just combined for one, I guess, uh, in Mexico. In, in Mexico. So, yeah, what the hell is going on, all these no-hitters? It's crazy. Pretty early in the season, yeah. The bats are uh, – I credit the weather or the lack of the weather. I don't know. It should be warming up. Guys should be hitting by now. You can't blame the weather anymore. We're, we're well into May. Anyway, hey, listen, we guys – we guys, we all appreciate you guys listening to uh, the podcast, and we're here Monday through Friday. Of course, we're going to be previewing the uh, – the Lightning's Eastern Conference Final against Washington. We hope to have Phil Esposito with us later this week. Um, that'll be a real treat when we have a chance to sit down and, and talk to the founder of the Lightning uh, about this playoff series. And, um, you know, we want you to, to make sure that you interact with us. We've been getting a lot of reaction from you on Twitter. We appreciate that you've, you know, you found us. We're on Twitter at SportsDayTV, at SportsDayTV. You can reach me at NFL Stroud. And for tomorrow's podcast, we want to do a mailbag for part of it. So please send your questions in via Twitter, or you can email Rick as well. Mm-hmm. Love to hear and your questions uh, so we can answer those tomorrow night. We'll do that tomorrow night, and then we're going to have uh, you know sort of a sort of preview uh, along those lines too. Hopefully, get some questions about the Bucks, their rookie minicamp, 
um, is starting this weekend, so we'll have a chance to see all the players they drafted and a lot of interesting undrafted free agents that'll be there as well. So um, that's going to be you know fun to be out at One Buck Place and seeing the, seeing the boys running around and sort of a cattle call. They don't get a whole lot done, but um, it is uh, it is nice to you know to sit down and talk to some of the rookies, and we'll have a chance to do that. And I'm sure we'll we'll play a lot of those interviews early next week as well. So. Uh, week chock full of sports, nothing bigger than the Lightning, of course, and the Caps as they uh, try to figure out who's going to go to the Stanley Cup. So thanks for listening. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with Steve Versnick. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 